Hey, I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and lifestyle fulfillment coach, which means I've dedicated my entire life to helping anyone who feels like they're not making the most of their potential to level up and live the extraordinary life of their dreams. You deserve to be the king or queen of your own kingdom, and I'll be alongside to help you be the best version that you can be. I'm psyched that you're here, so let's get to it. Yo, what's going on? It's Johnny King, and welcome to another episode from my kitchen. (laughs) I am excited to get into uh, this episode, although I'm a little bit scared, maybe, if I'm just being honest. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to go for it. Um, I figure, you know, the more I can just uh, be transparent and vulnerable and honest, uh, I just have this belief that... Yeah, something good will happen from that. So I want to tell you about uh, this past weekend. And uh, I was up in the mountains with uh, a buddy of mine. And, you know, here in Colorado, um, they have passed a law, from what I understand, where they have uh, decriminalized the use of mushrooms and, like, psychedelics and things like that. Now, I've heard podcasts... um, Aubrey Marcus and a lot of other podcasts where guys have dabbled a lot with psychedelics and mushrooms and, and things like that. And if you know me at all <laughs> and, the, and the life that I grew up in, my mom is rolling in her grave um, to, to know that I'm even putting this out there publicly. <clears throat> but uh, but truthfully, I, I moved to Colorado around the age of 35. Uh, and prior to that, man, honestly, I... I just was that good little good little Christian boy and didn't really touch um drugs, drinking, alcohol, uh sex, gambling, like none of it. I I just was by the book. Um and when I moved out here to Colorado, I started to just uh explore a little bit and I felt confident because at that point I was 35 and granted, you know, I, was, I think the the journey of healing never ends. However, uh, I was like, well, let's just see. And I think just, I started to, to drink alcohol a little bit more, which quite frankly, I really don't like cause it just messes up my, my stomach and my system so much. I'm like, ugh. so, uh, alcohol is not something I really love to do except on maybe special occasions or social outings and that sort of thing. But that rarely ever happens. Um, I've smoked a little bit of, of pot, <laughs> had one too many edibles. Um, I think maybe like three or four edibles over my, you know, four or five, six years that I've lived here. Um, I can count probably on, on one hand, the amount of times that any of that takes place on a yearly basis. So it's like once every three, four or five months, right? It's certainly not an addiction. If anything, it's just kind of like a fun little thing to do. And if anything, it's even more kind of like a curiosity or like an exploration, if you will. So, um, for those of my siblings that don't know that, uh, I've done this, well, here you go. <laughs> I don't know if any of my siblings actually listen to the show. It doesn't really matter, but, uh, Hey dad, what's up? I just, I'm going to tell a story about doing mushrooms. So, um, <laughs> I haven't really told a whole lot of people, but uh, this weekend I did mushrooms for the second time. Um, the first time I did it a couple a couple months ago during like the height of COVID, and the same buddy came over 
And he's like, dude, like I've had some great healing and uh, some huge epiphanies. I think this would be amazing. We could do it in your house, just very controlled and safe. Um, it would be my gift. And I was like, oh gosh, um, you know what? I'm curious and I trust you. You'll keep me safe. Like, let's roll with it. So I did it in my house um, and, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe I pro- I took too much of a too much of a, a dose, um, maybe nearly like four grams of of these mushrooms on an empty stomach, and ultimately ended up just like cocooning myself in my blacked out bedroom for like three or four hours, <laughs> just not moving, and just uh, watching this amazing show that was going on. Uh, kind of like visually on the backs of my eyelids with my eyes closed and like really cool music that I had turned on. <clears throat> but I didn't have necessarily any huge epiphanies out of that, if I'm being honest. I was like, okay. You know, what I do remember thinking was like after like an hour, like maybe let's say three hours, I was like, okay, gosh. Like I was looking at my watch. I was like, I'm ready to get off this ride. Like, okay, this has been fun. I'm re- I'm ready. You can stop the ride now, but it lasted. So I took mushrooms at like one fifteen in the afternoon. Well, it was like five or six, and I was still really feeling it. It's like, oh my goodness. But that's the thing. Like because I don't do, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't like my, I th- you know, and I eat really clean. I think my body uh, is just like, man, you can give me. Uh, a glass of, you know, red wine and I'll be buzzed off of half of it. Right. So I'm a complete cheap date and lightweight, cheap date and lightweight hashtag. And, uh, same with these mushrooms. And so I think my buddy was a little bit disappointed because I, I did not have a, a <laughs> an experience, anything like he had had and that he kind of hoped I would have, which, I mean, he is one of the most loving and generous human beings that I know. And, uh, he it just mushrooms makes him feel like like the world is just loving him and giving him a huge hug (laughs) i didn't necessarily feel that um i actually felt this pull between like the the bliss of being kind of out of body when i was up in my room and this pull back towards the reality of like but i got stuff i gotta do like I want, I, I love the work that I do. I love the life that I live. I want to get back to the projects that I'm doing. And I'm like, that's, that's what I was saying. I was like, I want to get off the ride. I want to go back to, you know, having a, a clear consciousness and, and state of mind. And so that was that. And I was like, okay. And I told a few friends and like, would you do it again? I was like, it's not that I wouldn't do it again. I guess I would be open to doing it again. But honestly, I don't know. It was kind of exhausting. Like I just was exhausted after it emotionally and physically. So fast forward now a couple months later to this past weekend and I'm up in the mountains with my buddy, same, same buddy. And he's like, Hey, we're going to do this again, but we're going to do it in in nature, which I think will make all the difference. So I was like, man, I don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this. (laughs) So I went to bed that night and there was a lot of stuff on my heart and on my mind, um, just about life in general. And I just really struggled to sleep. And so I didn't sleep very well at night, not to mention that was like my first night camping out in a while, and that always can be a challenge a little bit too. Not to mention my buddy had a bear, a big freaking bear walk through the camp like a couple hours before I showed up, 
and I was, you know, thinking about getting eaten. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, I really do enjoy getting out there, <clears throat> uh, into the backcountry of Colorado. But so I woke up with this, this sense of anxiety. Not only did I not want to do mushrooms, but I also didn't want to disappoint him. I didn't know what we were going to do for the next two or three days anyways. I had other things on my heart about relationships and business and purpose and, you know, all this stuff. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. But I have this thing in my head that, you know, as long as I'm safe, um, if it's just like I don't want to be uncomfortable, um, I just want to keep kind of the status quo. Like there's a part of me that says, yeah, if you feel like you don't want to do something, then you probably should do it. And so I woke up, I got going, and he's like, are we game? I was like, yeah, we're game. Let's do this. <laughs> so I was like, but I'm taking a smaller dosage because the dosage you gave me paralyzed me before. Like I literally couldn't move for like, well, I could, but it just felt like when I was up in my room months ago, I felt like the weight of the world, like I was experiencing like 10 times gravity. I literally could, like I could hardly move. I had the hardest time like even getting up to go to the bathroom. So anyways, I was like, I don't want to do that again. Let's do something different. So he's like, all right. So it gives me a smaller dosage. Um, and I get into it literally within 10 minutes. I'm feeling, I'm feeling, whoo. Like, like all of a sudden, like your vision turns, th- it's like you put on 3D glasses, right? When, you wa- when you're watching a 3D movie, um, like things, you can, you can tell you're watching a 3D movie. It's, it's like, yes, it's a lot more like real life, but you're still, I mean, at least this is how I experience it. I, I still am I'm very aware that I'm watching a movie. Like things are kind of in and out of perspective differently than how life normally looks when you're <laughs> sober and, you know, you're looking through your own two eyes at the world, right? <clears throat> so within 10 minutes, I was like, oh, bro. <laughs> This is hitting me hard already. He's like, what? All right, well. So we sit down and we're just, we're just literally sitting in the woods in this kind of like this aspen grove. And so the way that the aspen leaves are kind of shimmering and, you know, it's like the light. Everything was like, all right, this is, this is pretty cool. Like this is, this is give, my, give my buddy credit. Like this is pretty cool. All right. So we're about an hour in or so. I don't know an hour, hour and a half, <clears throat> we, we end up re- relocating a little bit further away to a different part of the woods. And, uh, and I just start getting really, really tired. Actually. It's like, I just was yawning a ton. I was like, man, I'm exhausted. Like I just didn't sleep last night. And so I just, I just kind of keep and we're talking the whole time. We're going back and forth and we're just talking about stuff. <clears throat> and so it's like, you know, that you are high or you're, but it's not like, it's not like you're, I wasn't seeing things. It's not like I was seeing, um, I don't know. It wasn't like I was hallucinating or seeing images. It's just like, you know, your vision of things is, is different and uh, your, your brain is working a little bit differently, right? So anyways, I'm like, he's like, you, wanna, you want me to go get your sleeping bag and you kind of lay, lay down out here and take a little bit of a nap, you know? He's like, but because what I won't let you do is go back to your, your tent and just cocoon up like you did last time. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. You're absolutely right. And no, I think I'll just sit here. I kind of put up, I had my sweatshirt on, I put my hood up and the weather was crazy over the day. Like it went from hot and sunny because uh, we're up in the mountains, you know, to like cool and kind of sprinkly and like 
sometimes the wind would be crazy other times it'd just be completely calm and like completely silent and nothing was moving right there's moments where there's tons of like you're just highly aware of all the birds chirping and all the activity going around and bees and butterflies and ants and things like that and other times it's like not a single thing moved it was really weird right so at one point I, I close my eyes and I hear him get up <clears throat> and I kind of open my eyes as he's walking walking away and I don't think of anything of it and then I close my eyes and then I reopen my eyes and, and I see and I look to my left and, he, and he's way you know I can still see him but he's way off like across the the opening just kind of at the beginning of the woods right and I close my eyes and then I open my eyes and he's not there which normally wouldn't be an issue if I were in like my normal state of mind, right? But all of a sudden it, it kind of like, it triggered in me s just like this deep sense of loneliness. And, uh, and the more I sat there, the more I was like, I'm like, what am I, what am I doing? with my life <laughs> what am I doing with my life I don't know if that's exactly the, my thought to be honest it was more like what yeah just the kind of this sense of like sadness kind of came over me washed over me right again I was exhausted and what I think mushrooms do does too and, and I think um cannabis pot does the same thing it it like brings to your awareness all the things that you normally would delete right so you can just feel like the air conditioning as it blows over like the hairs on your arm, right? Or you hear like the, the buzzing of uh, the refrigerator if you're at home or like, so so that that type of thing, that's, ex that's what I'm experiencing, right? Like all of a sudden I'm just like highly aware of, you know, what I'm feeling. And I feel like uh, doing mushrooms, it's almost like <laughs> you have a, 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 a blank canvas but then mushrooms will take whatever is at its disposal, whether it be the environment or music or past traumas. And so there's certainly, you know, a lot of people could talk about having bad trips on mushrooms because they have a lot of trauma they have that they have unhealed. And so here, sure enough, I started getting really sad and I started to cry a little bit. And I was just like, because my mind went to... Um, some memories that I actually haven't thought about, which is cool. Both times this has happened doing mushrooms, I have thought of memories that I, w I swear I probably would never have recollected or accessed if I weren't using mushrooms. So that was kind of trippy. So, but I remember spending a lot of time between the ages of like four and eight when I lived in Connecticut and we had this huge rock in our backyard, this huge rock, uh, probably not that big, but to a, five-year-old or six-year-old it was huge at the time and these beautiful woods in the backyard that go off and I remember spending hours upon hours back there by myself just waging this war I would have this stick and I would find the, these particular weeds that uh when I when I hit them with the stick and they you know they would <laughs> I'd chop them off they'd smell like skunk right? It was just like a skunky smell. So they, those were the bad guys, right? And they were all over the place. So I would just spend hours like fighting this, this fight, right? And where I got this, like this desire to, to fight, I don't know. I mean, I've, if you've ever read the book again, Wild at Heart by John Eldridge, he, he kind of talks about like the, the masculine um, coding on a little boy's heart, like on a masculine person. And doesn't, it's not, I'm not just talking about 
boys, but I mean, girls could certainly be this way, but if you're hardwired more towards the masculine, like this desire to, to provide, to protect, to fight, to, to even die for your loved ones is like etched into, you know, the heart and soul of, of little boys. And I think for me, that absolutely was true. And so I'd spend these hours back there just fighting and fighting and fighting. And I just, I started like accessing this, this memory. And I was like, here I am in the woods. I'm 40 years old and I'm exhausted. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just exhausted. I feel like I've been fighting this fight for 40 years, but, but even more so like these past 10 years of since, uh, since I got divorced and kind of just went off on starting my own businesses and moving, you know, across the country and starting new lives and finding new friends and, but also struggling through dating and, you know, all my questions and all my friends who think that I have, my standards are too high and I'm too picky and like, and so much of it is like, man, I, I don't mind the fight I feel like I fight for, again, those high standards in life. I fight for the things that I'm passionate about these days because to not fight where I was for a lot of my life where I just kind of was accepting mediocrity and I was, I was accepting a lot lower performance of what I knew I was capable of was even worse, right? So, but then this fighting of like, fighting for my business and taking risks and putting myself out there and investing money and doing all this stuff, but then to often come home to being alone was something that just really came up for me was like, man, and man, for maybe two or three hours, I'm, I'm not really embarrassed to say this just because it is what it is. Um, eventually my buddy came back, not very, he wasn't gone very long, but it was enough to trigger me so that when he came back, he was like, yo, you, you okay, man? <laughs> Because I was perfectly fine when he left. I just was taking a nap. And we were laughing and talking for that first hour and a half. And here I am in tears. I was like, no, man, I'm not. And he just sat there, again, like, love this brother to death, and just held space for me, you know. And at one point, he asked me to stand up and just, he just gave me a hug, you know, from from a brother to another brother, from a father figure to another brother. And that's the thing. It's like, I do also remember my dad would come home when I was that age at like five or six, seven years old and he would put on his running shoes and he'd go out and he'd run. And, and in now as an adult, he's like, yeah, dude, like I was, he's told me that I was so kind of exhausted with work. And last thing I wanted to do was like come home to the craziness of the family. So I would just put on my running shoes and I was running. Yes. But I was even just kind of more so even just running from my responsibilities as being a father at the time, because I just was so overwhelmed, uh, and that sort of thing. And I remember at least one or two occasions where I'm like, Hey, can I go with you? And he was like, yeah, sure. Um, and I was so young. I don't remember the details, but I just remember only getting maybe up to the stop sign, which was probably a quarter mile. Right. But for a five-year-old, maybe that was a ton. And then him just continuing on. And then I just kind of like turned left and just duck into the woods that I was so familiar with. And yet again, I'd find myself, alone. So like the very thing that I wanted most, which was time with my dad, and I'm like literally running as fast as I can to to stay up with him, keep up with him. He was running from his own challenges in life and he was in his own thoughts and 
exactly where I am now in my life, right? So at the time, he was probably 40, in his early 40s, um, or not even, probably my age, um, late 30s, early 40s. So I totally respect and, and empathize now where he was in his life, but as, as a little five-year-old or six-year-old that I didn't understand that, you know, um, f- f- to have that be all I really wanted uh, as a little boy was time with my dad, whom I very rarely ever saw, and not, not being able to keep up. Like the, the woods then started to symbolize my solitary battle, my solitary fight. Um, and I don't think what was surprised me about this past weekend when I started to break down, I didn't realize that I had that depth of pain going on, to be totally honest. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm pretty good. Like, do I get lonely sometimes? Yeah, sure. But like all of it is just very heady. Like the way I'm even telling you it right now is like how I've experienced it. It's like, yeah, I get lonely at times, but man, I got great friends. I got a great life. Like I can always spin it into the positive. Um, but man, this, these three hours I was up in the, in the mountains, man, I just, I was crying and it wasn't like absolute, like (laughs) waterworks sobbing. I just kind of sat there somewhat emotionless, just with tears running down my face. And, uh, and I talked, I just, I more or less just word vomited all of these ideas and, and memories and thoughts to my buddy and, like, God, again, for him to just, <laughs> he probably was like, all I want to do is go out into the woods and here Johnny is ruining my day. No, I say that. I know if, if he's listening, which he probably will, he's rolling his eyes. That's uh, He gave me such a gift um, with being there for me um, in a way that I've rarely ever had another man just hold space for me and not try to fix it, just kind of keep checking in, keep asking questions, help me process through it. And, um, you know, in the moment of that, it kind of felt like what I likened to people who are, you know, who often battle depression, like in the middle of that, those three hours, like, I was like, why? I don't even know why he's like, he was saying, maybe, maybe this will be healing. Maybe this is part of like just purging, like getting it out. And I was like, no, like, I don't, Nothing's going to change once my tears dry up. Like my life, I'm still alone. I'm still going home. I'm still working. And I was like, I think, <laughs> I was like, you know what it is? I think the podcast, I think me reading, a, writing a book, me doing the, the meeting of men, all it is, is a massive, like, <laughs> Batman signal, if you will, of like a big, uh, I'm just projecting, projecting, like an actual projector of light. Like I, I'm just asking for the world to like, here's my love. Does anyone, does anyone want to love me back? (laughs) You know, I feel like the podcast is because again, so many of these podcast episodes, I'm just standing here in my, in my house alone. It's therapeutic though, because I'm like talking, because I'm envisioning talking to you, right? And you're listening and somehow I'm thinking about, okay, if I said that, they might be thinking this. It's like I'm having a conversation. So even though I'm alone, I still feel like this gives me a sense of, of, you know, togetherness. And I think because I come from such a big family, I have four other siblings, so much of that was comforting, right? And yet I also know that there's a lot of times my mom probably felt this. I've felt this. I think we've all probably felt this. You can be in a massive room of people or a big family. You could be in a relationship, a marriage, whatever the case might be, and still feel deeply 
deeply alone, right? And so I think at this point, you know, over over the 20 or so years of being an adult, a lot of that being spent alone, man, it just kind of, it didn't, I wouldn't say caught up to me. It just was like, oh, I didn't realize <laughs> this needed to come out. And that's why that was such a gift for this experience because uh, I didn't see it coming at all whatsoever. And I know I would not have been able to access this depth of pain, if I'm being honest, and what more I needed to heal if it weren't for those mushrooms. So that was an amazing gift. Um, and as much as I thought that nothing would change, um, by the time like I was done <laughs> crying, I did feel lighter. I felt more at peace. I felt like I, I told him some things that day that I've not told anyone and not necessarily because they were my deep and darkest secrets. I just like, I told him details of what goes through my mind or why I did certain things or why I, you know, why I go about doing things the way that I do, like my thought process behind certain things that I just don't tell anyone. And uh, kind of cool that at the end of it, he's like, you know, if you're worried that I'm going to think any less of you, know that it's actually the opposite. I think even more of you. And I was like, oh man, life is so good to go to, to, to do life with buddies and, you know, family and intimate partners with people who really see you. It's, I don't know, so, so good. And I think that's ultimately, that's what I was really getting to is like, yes, I don't, I don't mind the fight. And I know for a lot of us, the fight is a solitary fight. A lot of times we're fighting against our fears, our limiting beliefs or whatever, you know, whatever we're up against. And yet to be able to come home to uh, like a safe place to land, right? Uh, to, to come home to, uh, if you've listened to this podcast a lot, I mean, I've talked about it openly. It's like that I'm just not willing to settle for a relationship where um, an intimate relationship <clears throat> where I feel like I'm settling, you know, does that mean I'm looking for, you know, perfect? Not at all. Not at all. Right. I've been married before and things were not perfect, but I really enjoyed being married. <laughs> but that was my perspective, right? She had a completely different uh, experience, but I know that like so much of that is it's, <clears throat> and this is obviously getting to be a longer episode, but I'm going with it so much for me. And I think for all of us is that we want to love and to be loved, you know, we want to see others in their best light and we want to be seen in our best light. We want to be appreciated and cherished and honored and respected and all those things, right? And I think that was a big part of it. It was like, okay, you know, I've, I've now created, you know, a great community of men in Denver who I appreciate so much, um, straight men, gay men, everything in between, who are all just amazing men. And I have so many buddies that I can call and who have my back whom I respect and they res respect me. But again, there are, there are certain things that that community of men can give me that an intimate partner could never even touch, right? There's so much fun that I love. There's so much, so, so much that I love about being a man and being around other men, especially when we're razzing each other and we're laughing and we're making fun of each other and like just shooting the shit that the way that guys do, right? And I know if you're a woman listening to this, I know that you you know what I'm talking about in regards to 
girls nights or just having your girlfriends like it just guys can't relate to you know (laughs) women because they're not of the same sex you know and if there's something special about having a friend group that's close you know who who are your same sex right that being said i also know that when it comes to like an intimate relationship there is you know a part of i'll just speak for myself there's a part of me that um doesn't get exposed i don't know if that's the right word doesn't get um utilized you know except for when i'm in a loving relationship one where i'm excited about it and i'm investing in it and i'm being open and vulnerable but my heart is is at risk right and so that was a big part of the kind of the aha that i got that day which was like i put up certain rules and like yeah i i do want this relationship but only if this can happen and that can happen and you know you know it came down to you know what again i would rather spend the rest of my life fighting for what i know i ultimately want in life in general but also in an intimate relationship with a a future woman and spouse and potentially mother of my children than I would to settle, settle for a relationship that is like, uh, it's safe, but it's not, it's not all that I know it can be. Um, I don't want that in my physical health. I don't want that in my mental health, my spiritual health. Uh, I don't want that in my financial health. Like I want that. That is what my book is about is becoming Kings is the journey that I'm on that uh that if if other men are resonating with they're on as well which is like to just become their best version of, them, of themselves where they they win the game of life from the standpoint that they're experiencing um abundance in all areas of their life right so <clears throat> that was it for me it was like i can be in my masculine all day and fighting and putting myself out there and you know, pouring into the world and to other people and my clients. And yet at the end of the day, sometimes, you know, it just, (laughs) what I desire, and I think a lot of people desire is to have that, that significant other who just sees you and loves you unconditionally and just is there for you, you know? And I think not having had that for so long, it gets freaking lonely from that standpoint. And so that was, part of a big, big part of the, the breakdown. Um, but the, the message that came out of this experience was like, you know what, at the end of the day, what I, the only thing I really have control over, and this is, you know, of course, personal development 101 is like, you only have control over yourself and your thoughts and your actions, your behaviors, you know, things like that, your, your choices, your decisions that you make. But in all relationships, not even relationships, if, if I was thinking to myself, if, if I just really truly embodied giving 100% of my heart and 100% effort to every single fucking thing I do, whether it be this podcast or writing my book or exercising in the gym, if I just kept on pushing, you know, and in my intimate relationships and my relationships with my friends and my family, um, that's, and that's just kind of who I am. Like, I just am not willing to settle now for anything less than 100% like effort. I'm not talking again about perfection because I know I will fail. And the more I push into that 100%, 
the more likely <laughs> failings are going to come more frequently. But I love it because then I'm learning even faster. And I'm thinking like if I gave my 100%, then those that gravitate back towards me and want to do life with me will appreciate my 100%. And if they don't, then so be it. It's like playing in a sports, in some type of game, right? And I give my 100% and they beat me, you know, <laughs> at their 100%, then I can at least go home, say, well, there's a lot to learn there. And I know that I can continue to in improve my game. However, I can sleep at night because I, I gave my 100%. Versus where I feel like I, you know, when you start to risk, you when I start to risk and this might be the way it is for you too I'm not sure when I start to risk I get scared right then I'll start to pull back or I'll, or I'll create conditions or rules to protect myself okay in much the same way that when I first did mushrooms I went up into my room and I completely um just protected myself I, I like cocooned up and it was a very kind of controlled environment and then, then you fast forward, like I said, a couple months later to this past weekend and there I was outside and I was alone and I, I felt very exposed and uh, raw because I was exhausted and that whole feeling of like being on a ride and wanting to get off the ride <laughs> because I, I experienced that when I was younger. I remember being on, I think it was called the Scrambler at Six Flags and I was in between, it was like, it's like a bench, right? And that bench spins <laughs> in circles while then, and that, that's one arm of like a four-armed, you know, machine. And the whole machine is spinning in a circle while those four separate arms are also spinning, right? So you're like, wow, wow, wow. And I'm in between both of my parents who were obese at the time. Um, and I just remember, I don't know if it was a sense of like claustrophobia or just like, get me the F off this ride now so I was crying and screaming and they they stopped it for me thank god but I also felt that same experience as I was growing up and my brother my older brother used to make fun of me all the time because we would go on these roller coasters and I would slam my feet up against the the chairs in front of me I, I would white knuckle that that bar you know that was across my lap of a roller coaster and I would close my eyes and hold my breath. And several times I was inches away from vomiting. <laughs> and it wasn't until not long ago, maybe 10 years ago. I don't know, maybe in my late 20s. It doesn't really ultimately matter. But I remember looking around as we're going up, you know, the big hill. And you know, that's the sound. Going up the hill, right? got the safety harnesses over your shoulder and I'm starting to go into that normal like oh fuck oh fuck damn it like like I'm just have to hold my breath I'm gonna close my eyes it's gonna be over soon because I, I oftentimes got you know peer pressured into like just do it come on man it'll be fun this time and I was like like I want to do it but I hate it at the same time like that is just it's a great metaphor for life <laughs> it's like relationships like I'm excited about you and I want to do this but man am I fucking scared right I'm really, really fucking scared and I'm going to put my heart out there and you might break it and then you might abandon me. It's like all of the past traumas that I have had and, and I speak them openly because I know you have your own and everyone else has you know, their own traumas. You can't get through life without getting scars and traumas and that sort of thing. But I remember the time I was going up the big hill and I was like 
looking around and, and people were out, they were laughing. They were so excited. Like they're going up this massive hill and a lot of them already had their hands up in the air. And I'm like, I'm doing the exact opposite. I'm holding onto the bars as tightly as I can. They're screaming and having fun and laughing. I'm closing like, and I thought to myself, what if I actually surrendered to this process, <laughs> to this roller coaster? And what if I actually just put up my hands and I screamed? It was the most fun roller coaster I've ever had. I didn't realize that the breath, the breath work of actually screaming and laughing allowed me to not lose my stomach, allowed me to not feel like I was going to puke, allowed me to feel like I wasn't going to like pass out, you know? And that was the beginning of a completely different experience. My story of I hate roller coasters and I hate certain, you know, it was just all kind of like a control thing, right? And it always went back to like that first memory of being really young and being on that smushed between my parents on on a uh, the scrambler or <clears throat> as I used to call it, the, the tassel tickler. But that's a, that's another story for another podcast. Um when when I started to just throw my hands up and just breathe and laugh and scream and have a good time, like roller coasters now are so much fun. I cannot get enough of them. And that is a great metaphor for how life is. And this is how I went into this whole mushroom experience where I was like, I don't want to do it. I hate this. And I was like, no, stop. If you're resistant, <laughs> again, then that's a call for you that to do it, but you have to surrender. And one of my good friends uh, recently gave me a, a podcast that I've listened to at night, just like an eight minute podcast. And it's just all on surrender, surrendering. Cause I feel like that is the, one of the biggest things, if not the, the biggest lesson we are constantly taught in this human experience. Like you have kids and the biggest thing <laughs> I feel like I can see from all my friends and family who have kids is like the sooner you're willing to surrender and put their safety in something higher the, the happier you're going to be. But if you create a lot of rules, then they're going to always be breaking rules and all you do is create massive stress. So that was my thought and that was some of my ahas, which was like, you know what? I'm going to go into this this experience and I'm going to just throw up my hands and even though it wasn't, you know, a <laughs> an experience of laughter and joy, although some parts of it was... Um, and it actually was the very beginning. The first hour was joyful. The three hours there in the middle <laughs> of crying and thinking my, you know, what's, what's, what's the point of life and why am I deeply failing at this? And then that last hour or two where I was like, I turned around and all of a sudden my, my buddy could tell you, like I went on a rant. I, I should have just like been a, a hired motivational speaker at that point. And I was so pumped up and so jacked. And I was like, no, I'm going to do this. And I just was back into my normal self. Um, but it just goes to show that I do feel like a lot of us uh, have pain and uh, and things that we kind of shove down and put on a, a happy, brave face. Um, I know family members and friends that have gone through some very, very challenging traumas. Um, whether we're talking about like what I've gone through with losing a buddy <clears throat> up on the mountain, you know, in that accident or friends who have, uh, have lost a child, you know, and then gone on to get a divorce because they, you know, the child was, was lost in an accident or other 
you know, individuals who have <clears throat> lost a child um, through childbirth or shortly after childbirth. Like I remember being at a at a a uh, a weekend men's retreat, and one of these guys, like my heart absolutely poured out for him because he, for the first time, was actually able to cry and to mourn for the loss of his son, whom his girlfriend had decided to abort. Um, but he didn't want the abortion. She did. And of course it's her body. So he, he, but he never really, uh, allowed himself to feel the pain of losing that child. And, uh, man, there's just so many people out there who are hurting and man, did I see how, when I was in the middle of hurt, like I, I have avoided going there, um, so effectively that I almost didn't, I didn't even know that the depth of pain was there. The mushrooms, for whatever reason, helped crack that open. And the amount of peace and healing and joy that I felt afterwards and the ahas of stop creating rules and plans and conditions on your life and in relationships and just give 100% of you and beyond that, just let the chips fall where they may. That is where the essence of life is. And it's super scary, <clears throat> excuse me, super scary to, to step into that knowing that you've got a lot of pain that comes out. And a lot of times you're like, I don't have time for this. Like I have to live my life. I have to keep making money. I have to keep providing. I'd like, again, that was why the, the gift of going up to the mountains for two or three days was such a blessing because I was able to get away and check out and, and just go into this. But man, a lot of times actually getting the pain out, it just, it needs, it needs to, <laughs> it needs a healthy way of getting out of you. And when it gets out, you can actually see it for what it is and then you can process it and, and move on and be better for it. And that was certainly my experience. So, um, yeah, it's probably very different, very, very different from a lot of other people's, you know, journeys or trips, if you will, with mushrooms. But for me, it was, um, a lot less controlled, a lot messier. Um, but so much, wow. Uh, so healing in many different ways. Um, like I said, I'm been talking for 40 minutes and I could talk literally for another several hours from so many other epiphanies that I had from that. But I feel so much more, like I said, at peace and just in love with being loved. Um, and I think that it, that was another big thing that came out for me was the feeling that maybe I wasn't lovable. And I've never really thought that, but I think as I got into it, I'm like, yeah, I guess I do believe that at times. You know, that like, is that why, you know, I'm still single is because there's something wrong with me and I'm, I'm not lovable. I think we all have our, our challenges all around, you know, limiting beliefs like that. Um, which again, I think is the, the biggest lie. Um, because I think we are all not only lovable, but are loved without a doubt, without a doubt, a hundred percent that we're loved, that we are enough, but this, uh, human experience, um, is a trial for us to prove that, that truth, which is that we are all loved. We are, when we are love <laughs> for that matter. So anyways, thanks for hanging out. If you're still listening to this, man, I give you props. I love you, man, woman, 
<laughs> whoever you are listening to this, I appreciate it. It's, it's a, certainly a longer episode, but um, really, really profound. And, and I hope that you sense um, my authenticity, my transparency, my vulnerability. It was fun and funny and heart-wrenching and sad and scary and all of those things. And I never would have thought that I'd be doing a podcast even just like two months ago telling you that I've done mushrooms. Um, but I don't feel any sense of shame about it, to be totally honest. And um, it really was a beautiful gift. Do I want to go do mushrooms every day now? Um, and no, I don't. <laughs> Again, I kind of still feel the same way. Like, okay, that was a beautiful gift. Uh, but I really do. <clears throat> I don't... Uh, have that huge need. And I've said in, in other podcasts, if, if there are certain substances that become abused from the standpoint that you are using them consistently to either numb yourself or to change, like then, then that means there's, there's something there that really needs to be addressed. Um, and it's not to say that I don't have my vices cause I certainly do. But when it comes to, to alcohol or pot or porn or gambling or, or mushrooms, like that's, those things are not, um, challenges for me um but also because i feel like i've i've taken a stand and i've i've done a shit ton of work a shit ton of work over the last 12 years to to heal um and i think from that place when you really can go through that and you can find that sense of grace and love and empathy for yourself then you can pour it back into the world without judgment because I talk to people all the time that have some horrific things that they've done. And I'm like, it's not that I don't care. I don't care about the details, but I, I certainly just feel like, man, you're worthy of, of being loved. And just like my buddy did for me up in the mountains, man, he just was like coming from a place of love. And there's nothing that is more powerful than sharing that between two, you know, friends, between family members, between two lovers, there's so many different ways that that uh, energy and experience is kind of transferred, if you will. Um, but that is where life is, man. And if you spend so much time just like working and hustling and distracting yourself from facing some of these bigger fears, um, I'm not saying that you need to go do, do mushrooms. I'm just saying whatever the, whatever your process is, be willing to get on that roller coaster and strap yourself in and be willing to, to let your hair <laughs> fly around in the wind and scream into the wind and, and let, you know, saliva go all over your face and tears to run because, you know, your roll, the roller coaster is flying through the air so much. Like, whatever it is, like, all those pictures that you get after roller coasters, like, they're not the most flattering, right? <laughs> A lot safer place to be would be to be sitting in the shade on the other side of the line waiting for your family to, to experience the roller coaster where you can meet them safely without messing up your hair. But that's, that's to me, that's not living. That's just being safe. And uh, that's the antithesis of living. So, again, thank you for hanging out with me. I really appreciate you. Love you. And uh, we'll catch up soon. All right. Cheers. And I want to thank you so much for listening to The Johnny King Show. And hey, if you got something positive from this episode, please subscribe to the show, share it on your favorite social platform, 
and then tag me in it so I can say hi. It would also mean the world to me if you wrote a review of the show on Apple Podcasts because I read every single one. Do you feel like there's something I could be doing better? Awesome. I totally thrive on constructive feedback and it's always welcome. So if you've got questions or concerns, you can always reach me via email at podcast at johnnyking.com. And then please follow me on Instagram at johnnyking, facebook.com backslash johnnykingmenscoach on my YouTube channel and LinkedIn. Thanks again for joining me. I've been Johnny King. You've been amazing. And we'll catch up with you next time. Take care.